0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home.
1: I see my name on the screen. There I am. The drama was intense. It was all a part of the, the plan. Well, good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? Welcome, everyone, online and at our campuses joining with us. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Phil Gunger, one of the pastors here at the church. Would you all please stand with me as we recite together the Apostles' Creed? This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let's at this point in our service where we pause and uh, for a time of uh, taking our tithes and offerings. And um, again, just to remind you, if you're you you forget the ways you can give here. Uh, we, because we're not handing out the baskets, if you do have a check or cash uh, on your way outside uh, of your campus as you leave today, uh, the ushers will be there. You'll be able to drop in your offering there. Uh, and then, of course, we have online where you can go to celebrationchurch.tv slash give and you can give online. Uh, you can download our app and go through there. And then you have a text to give where you can text uh, to the number on the screen there and send your offerings that way. Now, today, also being Mission Sunday, we take uh, also as a separate offering, a uh, different way we can give for missions there, because everything given for missions, it's earmarked. It goes just to missions. We don't do anything else with that. And so, if you'd like to give to missions, just make that uh, difference in there. How do you do that texting? It's doing so good. After the dollar amount, put missions. And then it will go into the right account, so we'll get that uh, set there. So wonderful. Uh, well, yeah, this morning, um, uh, my father, uh, Pastor Mark Gunger, who's our lead pastor, uh, he's not here this morning again, in case you haven't noticed, or in case you thought I was him, then shame on you. Come on. <laughs> he does not look this good. All right, come on. <laughs> uh, but he's a, uh, uh, what's interesting, this service, you know, we're getting ready, if you've been here for a while, for have heard him talking about Pentecost, he's been... Uh, wanting to get ready for that. It's something, you know, talking about it in a different way. And so this particular sermon, I remember weeks ago, him telling me he really wanted to preach. Uh, It looked like he wasn't going to be here. And he was like, I'm going to come in and record it. And then he was going to be here. He's like, cool, I'll just do it here. Uh, And then he got sick. And he's been wanting to preach this message, though, all week. And I kept saying, like, "Uh, no joke, Friday. I'm like, because he hasn't recorded his sermon yet like hey uh, you want to maybe give me your cliff notes version of what you're going to talk about like you know sundays are coming and uh but he had a moment where he's like ah you know what okay i'm feeling better now and he came in and because he really this was something that god had put on his heart he really wanted to share with you guys so much like jordan in the flu game for all the sports fans here is uh would you welcome uh pastor mark as he preaches this morning
0: Good morning. Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter, of the Easter season. Uh, next Sunday will be Pentecost Sunday, and that's on the Christian calendar. The Easter season then wraps up with the celebration of when the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, I am not gone, actually. I'm at home right now, <clears throat> and uh, because I'm pretty sick. <laughs> and uh, I feel sick right now, actually. And as we have said in the past, if you're feeling sick stay home. I don't care if it's a cold, if it's COVID, whatever you've got, stay home. Don't spread it around to other people. So uh, I'm uh, not feeling well, so I thought, well, I'll just record this ahead of time so I don't have to be coming on a Sunday morning and spreading the love, if you will, uh, with all of you. And then if that wasn't enough, uh, I had a, uh, an outbreak of shingles uh, this week as well, if you've never had that you can thank the Lord. It is a very painful, uh, <laughs> your just skin, it just hurts. It just hurts for no reason at all. It just hurts and aches. It's like having a really bad sunburn, but without any sun. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, the doctor said probably because I wasn't feeling well that, uh, my immune system's fighting that off. And then the shingles kicked in. And so I went miserable pastor today, but you say, well, why don't you just stay home and let somebody else preach? Because I wanted to, to finish up this message before uh, next Sunday when Bishop Sean Yost comes and we celebrate the uh, Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. We're going to have a couple of special services. Well, one special service uh, for over in Stevens Point Saturday night and then uh, Sunday night uh, for uh, people here and people in uh, the Fox Valley. You guys can just drive up. It's a short drive. And uh, we're going to have a special Holy Spirit night where uh, Bishop Sean is gonna pray for those who've never been prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, if you've never had someone pray specifically for you to receive the Holy Spirit, you really should do it. So, gee, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, it's, it's one of those things in the Bible that gets neglected a lot. Uh, and I'm not sure the why and the whereforce to it. A lot of people try and to explain it away, but the reality is, as we've studied already, every time in the New Testament, they receive the Holy Spirit it was a separate experience. There's getting saved, there's being baptized, and there's being receiving the Holy Spirit. We went through the book of Acts and pointed out all those verses. There's no way you cannot walk away and come away with the sense that it is a separate experience. If you haven't had this, you really should do it. It is quite empowering. It is really life-changing, and it's great. The Holy Spirit is the supernatural hand of God. Well, God shows up and does things in, a, in an amazing, real, and powerful way. So, and this is what really set Christianity on the uh, course that it was in the beginning. You know, I get a kick out of listening to secular people try to explain the, uh, you know, growth of Christianity, and it, because they don't get it, <laughs> it's really hard to explain why did it take off so fast. And the way they'll usually try to explain it is, well, they're talking about God in a new way, and so, yeah kind of, but that that wasn't just it. It was not only did they talk about God in a new way, God himself would show up in powerful demonstrations, answering people's prayers, doing miracles in people's lives. And that's why Christianity just took off like crazy because of this uh, amazing uh, move of God that was happening in the world. Uh, We're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, uh, verses four and five. We're going to be looking at Corinthians today. Paul writes this uh, to the Corinthian church. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, which is an interesting thing because a lot of people say, well, and you know what? Wise and persuasive words can I use to try and win people to God? Uh, and people have different ways of showing wise and persuasive words. It's interesting that we do that because Paul said, that's not what I did. I didn't come with some cool way of explaining all of this to you. He says, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So they would talk about God, they would worship God, they would celebrate God, and then God would show up and do supernatural things. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When the dancing hand of God comes alive and just cool things start happening. That's how the gospel was preached Back then, and it should be even to this day. And uh, so that's why we're getting uh, these series of services where we're really wanting to get people to focus on the Holy Spirit, uh, expressing the Holy Spirit in our personal lives, and letting the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow in our church, which is what we're going to talk about today. So let's look over at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And this is where Paul starts to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he says in uh, verse one, Now, the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, about the gifts of the Spirit, I I don't want you to be uninformed. And if there's one thing that people are today about this issue is they are uninformed. (laughs) They don't know much about it. And to our own detriment, uh, we haven't talked about it as much as we should. And it's one of the things we're trying to correct now uh, so that we can encourage more of this. So then he goes on, he starts to discuss (coughs) what some of these gifts are. He says... And verse four, he says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. In other words, manifest, it becomes real. God shows up and something happens. Uh, and this, this happens for the encouragement of everyone. Where you know, because when you see God start doing very cool things and answering people's prayers in really neat ways, it's really encouraging, and it has quite an impact on people. Again, it's one thing to try and come up with persuasive words, <laughs> get people to believe in Jesus, and I'll, I'll take whatever you got on that. end. but at the end of the day, what's really powerful is when God starts showing up, doing really amazing things in people's lives that they can witness and experience firsthand. So. Uh, And uh, he starts listing some of them. Uh, Verse 8, he says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. So he talks about the gift of wisdom. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. What is that? That's the uh, supernatural ability to know the right thing to do. (laughs) Which, you know, anybody who's (laughs) spent much time in the world at all knows there are times in your life you don't know what to do. You honestly don't know what to do. It's like, do I go this way? Do I go that way? And people you know, really struggle with all these things and they, <clears throat> they need wisdom. Uh, then all of a sudden, someone comes along with a, with a gift of wisdom and they just speak into that person's life and says, you know, this is really what you ought to do. And, and it's not just regular advice. It's a spiritual thing. It's like God shows up. And when this person speaks, it's like, wow. Yeah, that's right. How, how did you know that? I mean, it's really a fascinating thing to experience firsthand or even to watch uh, someone else do that to, to someone. Um, He says, to another, a message of knowledge by the same spirit. So this is called the gift of knowledge. This is the stunning ability to know something about a person without that person saying a thing. That is pretty cool. And I've seen that uh, a lot of times uh, where just how in the world did they know that? It's because the spirit of God is making it real and exposing it and and bringing it to light. And it's pretty powerful when you're speaking in someone's life and all of a sudden uh, you touch on an area that, they're like, wow! How, how did you know that? Um, this can happen even during sermons. I can't tell you how many times I've been preaching, and someone later will come to me and, and say, "Man, how, how did you know we were going through that?" I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "You just described the very thing we're struggling with." So well, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know you were struggling with it. But this is the Holy Spirit at work, making things real. Some people get nervous and think I've, I'm bugging their houses, <laughs> but I'm not bugging their houses. It's God. God is everywhere, right? So that uh, ability to have a word of knowledge. To another, verse nine, faith by the same spirit. This is, refers to a supernatural burst of faith and confidence in God. Uh, that is just, it's, there's regular faith that all of it comes from God, right? But then there's this time when, when, when all of a sudden just something happens and there's such an amazing confidence uh, that really helps to see people's prayers answered. Um, and, and you can see why, people would want these things in their lives, right? The more we experience the Holy Spirit demonstrating the power of God and showing up in neat little ways, the more it has an impact on not only our lives, but the people, lives of the people around us. And the Holy Spirit starts showing up and start doing these things. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. <clears throat> well, that one's self-explanatory, and I could use one right now. <laughs> to tell you the truth, but uh, this is what someone, you pray for someone and they just get healed. You say, have you seen that? Yes, I have. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Again, we don't talk about this enough and encourage it enough, but you know, the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. You've, you've got to use these things. You've got to step out in faith. And we're going to be encouraging this in the weeks and months to come to experience spiritual things where God shows up. Uh, and one of the things we would love to see are just divine healings. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's why you're sick all the time (laughs) and you don't get any answers. At some point you have to believe it. And we want God to show up in people's lives and doing some pretty impressive things. Um, Where else are we? Verse 10, to another miraculous powers. Now one can only imagine what that gift allows, but it's a separate thing of something miraculous will happen. Uh, to another person, a gift of prophecy will come upon them. And as we've explained this in the past, it's, it's the ability to speak as the voice of God or to be able to tell the future. Uh, it's not always the same. In other words, prophetic word isn't always about what's going to happen in the future, though it can be. But sometimes it's just speaking as uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon someone. Virtually every pastor or speaker or teacher or anybody all over the world today uh, as, as they're worshiping God and they're, the pastors are preaching and teaching God, speaking to people. And in essence, is prophesying. This is what prophesying is. is you speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's different than just a regular talker. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of people just can talk. But when all of a sudden you start talking and there's something unique that happens where you start speaking under the anointing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Something that we want to see more and more of as well. Um... Uh, to another distinguishing between spirits. Now, this is an interesting thing because sometimes, you know, weird things pop up. And I don't really have time to get into it today. Uh, But when someone has a gift of discerning of spirits, it's like they are able to tell that if something is really from God or if it isn't. Wouldn't that be nice to have in your back pocket, right? Or just in the church where someone could say, you know, no, 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 that, that. I'm telling you, I, I know it sounds right, but there's something wrong. This guy's not right. Uh, there's something about this doctrine, this, whatever it is, because they can tell. Uh, they have this discerning ability by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, that, 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 to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Uh, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, obviously, now when, when we talk about interpreting tongues, you notice it says, They interpret tongues. They don't translate the tongues. In other words, this is when someone is able to speak in tongues and another person somehow gets the gist of what the guy's saying and he interprets what the person is saying. It's different than a translation. Translation is word for word. And that no one claims to able, if someone starts speaking in tongues, to actually pull off some literal translation of what the person is saying. But to get a gist in the sense of the spirit uh, because God is speaking somehow to that person. And to be able to uh, interpret that. Uh, And it says in verse 11, all these are the work of the one and the same spirit as he distributes to each of them as he determines. So again, they would talk about God. They would worship God. They would celebrate God. And then God showed up and did supernatural things. This is what they celebrate on the day of Pentecost, right? When the spirit of God falls down. And he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is radical because up until this time throughout history, God would show up and use pretty much one person at a time. And the Spirit of God would just fall on one person, you know, whether it's Samson or Moses or whoever stuff. But uh, the prophet Joel said there's going to come a day where the Spirit of God is going to be able to fall on everybody. And they're going to be able to actually experience God, supernatural expressions of faith, which is exciting and it's great. And you can imagine. I mean, any church that's having these kind of expressions, it's going to be a pretty alive and energized church. And that's why we want to encourage this. Again, we want to encourage you to come. Be, get your, get, uh, your uh, hands laid on you to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. And we want to encourage us in the weeks and months to come that we start experiencing some of these things and make room for God to do supernatural things. Now, that doesn't always mean it's going to be on the stage. I think that's one of the areas that we mess up so much, you know. Someone thinks he has a gift of healing, that he becomes a healing evangelist. Every kind going listen to me preaching. Or, you know, gift of wisdom and stuff like that. This isn't for display or show for somebody uh, so he can start a healing ministry or <laughs> this is a spiritual gifts ministry. So I am not talking about it. What I'm talking about is God showing up in the congregation amongst the people of God. Uh, where all of a sudden people start experiencing answers to prayer and gifts of the Spirit or gift of healing or a gift of knowledge or wisdom or all these different things where, man, all of a sudden you go, "This this is amazing being around this place. And the beauty of that is when it's done among the congregation, nobody is getting all the credit for it. And that's our problem in our Western culture is that people start having gifts of the Spirit, then they become arrogant and they make a big show of it and stuff. And that's not what we are looking for or wanting to encourage in any way shape or form. This is just the the humility of the Holy Spirit uh, flowing through people's lives and God doing great things. And we want to encourage it because the more you encourage it, the more you expect it. And Paul said, we should should desire spiritual gifts. We should actually long and desire these things. And more than just, gee, it'd be kind of cool if it happened. Okay. I mean, everybody would go, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. It's beyond that. He said, actually desire it, pray for it ask God to fill us and that the Spirit of God would become more and more powerful in our lives so that we can start experiencing the actual working of God in our midst, the dancing hand of God, which is the Holy Spirit, all right? So, uh, and this is how early Christianity spread like wildfire across the world. Now, sadly, over much of the history of the church, the Holy Spirit has been largely ignored. Instead of being the powerful force that it should have been, Uh, the church has been largely spiritually impotent. There hasn't been a lot of God doing really cool things. It's way too rare when in reality it should be way more common. So uh, rather than seek out the spiritual gifts, it seems historically we've made excuses as why why we're impotent, (laughs) spiritually speaking. Now, there's two main reasons. One and I talked about this in my last message, is this idea that's been taught through a lot of evangelical Christianity that the type of miracles is de- done. Uh, n- there's no more need for miracles. Uh, we don't need this stuff anymore. Really, I don't know what planet you're on because I think we need it more than ever. Amen. All right? I need God more than ever. I want, we, we need to see more of God, not less of God. And this idea and the, what their, their argument is, you know, that once the Bible... Uh, we had the Bible that we didn't need miracles anymore, which is patently absurd. It's one of the goofiest things I've ever heard. Uh, so that's one thing that they tried to do. Um, uh, and the other way that they kind of explain away is they say that, well, we aren't like those early Christians. We aren't like those super holy spiritual people that saw these miracles and experienced God, and that's why they had much more of that, and we don't have much more of it today. But again, I think it's just an excuse for spiritual laziness because these people weren't nearly as spiritual as you might think, which is the second part of my whole message this morning. First part is God wants to show up and do spiritual, wonderful things in our lives uh, in in so many ways. And again, we'll be talking more about it when I'm not feeling so awful. (laughs) Having a hard time breathing, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, what was my point here? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, that, that they, they, uh, they 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 are they weren't nearly as spiritual as we think that they were because a lot of times we think that you know we're not like those guys. Well, I want you to take a look at here. That was the verse I was trying to find, uh, where we read about some of the problems these uh, Corinthians had. Remember, he's writing to the Corinthian church. He's talking about the power of God to the Corinthian church. He talks about the Spirit of God and all these different miracles and how this Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit to the Corinthian church. Well, let's back up a little bit and let's read some of the problems that the Corinthian church had. Uh, Here we go. So in 1 Corinthians, the uh, first chapter, verses 10 and 15, Paul writes this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say— and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some of you from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, well, I follow Paul. Another one says, well, I follow Apollos, who's another preacher of the day. Another one says, well, I follow Cephas, which was the name for Peter. And then the real spiritual people say, well, I, I just follow Jesus. I follow Christ. I don't need none of these people. Nobody can tell me nothing. And he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you, except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that they were baptized in my name. So the first thing he deals with these people is they are fighting with each other. Now, again, on the one hand, people are thinking, well, they were super special, holy people, and that's why they're experiencing this. But what's more holy and basic than love? Jesus says, by this, the whole world will know you're my disciples when you love each other. And what's their first problem? They're fighting with each other. And they're breaking off into little groups. This is the first beginning hints of denominationalism where people would break up and, you know, our church does this and, well, we believe this and we believe that. And Paul's trying to reason with this. And what are you guys doing? Stop it. You're not supposed to be breaking off into these little factions. So that's the first thing he says. Uh, next thing we see in chapter 5. Now this is a little gross and we'll just assume those who don't need to know won't understand what we're talking about but he says chapter 5 verse 1 he says it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and that a kind that even pagans don't tolerate a man sleeping with his father's wife this is an incest thing that is going on it is horrifying wait a minute I thought these were super holy people that were such incredible devout people and that's why God was showing up well number one they're breaking off into cliques. Number two, they got this sexual immorality going on. Number three, First Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses seven and eight. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Because how typical people don't want to be wronged. You know? And the more the money is involved, oh, the more they're justified. Christians are not supposed to be suing other Christians. Even to this day, they do it. And once there's a lot of money, well, that pass, that's, you know, that's $50,000. I, I, know. That's why Paul says, why not just rather be wronged? Why don't you just take the loss? We're supposed to be a positive witness to the world, and you guys are suing each other in court? So, uh, that's a major problem. Not nearly as spiritual as we would think. Uh, problem number four, which is kind of tied to problem number two, <laughs> Uh, uh, they're having a problem with prostitution in the church. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the member of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two shall become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee sexual immorality! All other sins a person commits are outside the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So the bunch of guys in the church have a problem with going to prostitutes. All right, you get a different picture here. These are the same people that God shows up, does miracles, the gospel is being preached, people are being converted, they have the gifts of the Spirit, Wisdom, healing, working of miracles, all these different things. So we can no longer look at this and say, well, this is is because these guys were just super holy, early, devout Christians. Some of them became martyrs, and that's why God did that, and that's why we don't have it today. Horse manure. These guys were jacked up. They're about as jacked up as I've ever seen. I've never been in a church that's been this messed up. Uh, And then the, the fifth one, they were disrespecting the Lord's Supper. This is in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, starting in verse 20. So Paul writes, so then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. So you have to remember, we call it the Lord's Supper, right? Because originally it was actually, it was a meal. It was the Passover meal. And they would do the Lord's Supper and it was like a mini meal, uh, but then it started getting out of control. And some, some guys would, you know, have a lot of food over here. And other guys weren't getting anything in the Lord's Supper. So some were getting drunk. <laughs> a little hammered on the wine. I mean, it totally got out of control. To the point that Paul wrote, which we're going to read in just a second as we go into our communion time. That uh, you start doing the communion thing uh, disrespectfully. Uh, you aren't partaking of the Lord's body at this point. You're partaking of judgment into your life. He said, that's why some of many of you are sick and some have even died because of the judgment of God because of the way they were disregarding and dissing the Lord's Supper and not taking it seriously. From that time on, that is why the Lord's Supper now is one little tiny wafer and one little thing of of wine. Uh, Now, I guess one could argue that it's a little bit of an overreaction, to make it so small. But I think this, historically the church thought, man, if you're going to be eating judgment and damnation on yourself, if you're not doing this right, we're going to really make sure we do this right. So hence the emphasis, just a little thing. This isn't about getting drunk or having a nice meal or something like that. This is about focusing on the Lord Jesus and his body being broken for us, his blood being shed for the forgiveness of sins. That's why thousands of years later, This is what communion is about. It's just the little wafer and the little drink uh, because of getting away from what these guys were doing. All of that, to summarize, I think you're getting my point. These people were quite a mess. They had all kinds of struggles. They were doing stuff most of us wouldn't even dream of doing. But yet here are these people struggling with some of these major sins. Uh, And a lot of them, I mean, they're struggling basically with paganism. They came out of, they were pagans. And now they're trying to become... They're they're Christians now. And they're having a hard time shaking off bad habits. And these are some seriously bad habits that these guys have. But yet, in spite of their imperfection, in spite of them not getting it right, in spite of them doing things that are blatantly... You would think anybody would know this is wrong. In spite of all of that, God kept showing up and doing amazing things. So one thing that we can settle for sure is that the Holy Spirit comes and makes himself real, not because of us. We don't earn this. We don't find, we don't make ourselves so holy or so special or so devout, that kind of thing, because it's a gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't earn gifts. You earn a paycheck, but gifts are gifts. You get it just because of uh, kindness Someone being kind to you or you being kind to someone giving them a gift. These are gifts that God gives to the church. These are gifts that we are supposed to desire. We're supposed to desire and seek after more and more of the presence of the Holy Spirit and God doing wonderful things in our congregation so that God can be glorified and people's lives can be blessed. Again, this isn't so that somebody can be all fancy because he thinks or she thinks she has this special gift of the Holy Spirit. We ain't playing that game. We'll smack that down right away. Not going to do it. This is just about God being God in the midst of our congregation and seeing really wonderful things happen. Say, how do you do it? On purpose, intentionally, desire, as Paul said, the spiritual gifts so that uh, we can start to experience God doing these wonderful things. All of this begins with the receiving of the Holy Spirit, as we read a couple of weeks ago. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Most Christians would say, well, of course. But ask them, did you have a special experience where someone laid hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit? And most will tell you, no, I haven't. Uh, and at that point, we are now inconsistent with the teaching of the scriptures. That's why we are going to celebrate next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a couple of wonderful services, again, in Stevens Point, Saturday night and here uh, in the Green Bay campus, uh, Sunday night, and the guys in the Fox Valley. Actually, Fox Valley can go either direction, I suppose, as a horse apiece. You can either drive over to, to uh, a Point Saturday night or drive over here on a Sunday night to be part of this. And we're just going to open up our hearts and ask God to bless and touch and fill people with the Holy Spirit. And again, if you've never done this, it is energizing. And all you have to do is ask someone who's done it and they will tell you, it's a a game changer. It's a real game changer. It's very, very powerful and energizing. And uh, we need more of that, certainly not less. Now, I understand that there's, when you get into some of these things, Pentecostalism Pentecostalism and charismatic stuff some of it has been real extreme and a lot of nutty things have been done I promise you we ain't doing any of that alright it's gonna all be done decently and in order and in biblical ways what we want is we want God we just want more and more of God in our lives so that he can show up and do incredible things not only not only for us but for the people around us. All right? So anyway, so let's, uh, we're going to turn to our time of communion right now, which is great in the context of what we were just talking about. Uh, I want to read to you in 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter uh, what Paul was saying to them about this thing where they were partying and eating and getting drunk and stuff. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11th chapter verse 27, he says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. That's serious stuff. So, hence, the little wafer little thing so that we can just focus on what this is about this is about celebrating Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sins of the world his body broken so that we can have forgiveness of s- sins or his blood uh body broken so we can be healed his blood shed so we can have forgiveness of sins and that's what we celebrate every sunday so uh let me close i just want to pray a, a, we always do this whenever we do communion we stop we pause And we just pray a general prayer of forgiveness because it says to examine ourselves. So let's do this and and take this seriously before we take of communion. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, before we take of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves as the scriptures say. If we sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we've done, something that we left undone, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart or haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of all of our sins. Strengthen us in goodness. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. And as heads are bowed and people are praying, and, 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 and if you can think of something specifically that you said or did or you know, sinned in some way, just confess it to God right now so that we can keep short accounts with God. And if you're visiting and you're thinking, you know, I've, I've never experienced anything like this. You can ask Jesus in your life right now. All you have to do is ask him to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and you can take your first steps of faith today and start to experience this wonderful thing that we've been celebrating in our service today. Amen.